it's all the same. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're a mess. Uh, the world's a mess. I was reading an article. Somebody gave me an article. I don't know who it was, but uh, some world world article thing, and and uh, somebody's trying to take over the planet. They're going to do it through the UN, and uh, everybody's going to be uh, under control, and we're all going to be. Uh, you're going to lose all your rights and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I got a Bible told me that a long time ago. Uh, I just didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's, uh, you can worry about that stuff all day long, and uh, the devil's going to still, he's the god of this world, and he's going to take over, and there's nothing you can do. Uh, and I don't really care. I mean, I really refuse to care. I'm going to keep going day by day by day by day until I can't go day by day by day by day no more. And then I'll go uh, hour by hour. Then if I can't go hour by hour, I'll go minute by minute. Uh, it's just not worth worrying about. It's, uh, uh, you can't control anything at that level. Uh, all you can do is you're part of, of the system that we're in right now, and you just got to live there. You got to do what you got to do. And what you and that's where you need that walk with Jesus Christ, that fellowship with Jesus Christ. And we'll get with, it, with some of that here in a few seconds. But that right there will God direct your steps all through this life. Uh, it'll tell you exactly what to do. You can't, man, they got, they got uh, uh, night vision goggles now that, that you can, not even just goggles, but entire cameras or uh, they can look at a whole area. They can see every animal moving on the ground. They can see everything. You couldn't hide if you wanted to be saying, well, I'm going to go off the grid. You can't, there is no place off the grid. Uh, they got these cameras where they can scan whole areas and they can see 30, 40 people running down there and they'll know which one you are because everybody else will have their little things on. They'll say, that's this, 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 this. There's the one without it. That's the one we want right there. You're not going to be able to get away from it. So I'm not trying to scare you. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to scare anybody. It's just part of life. And if you realize that this is the way it's going to go, this is the time frame we live in. Genesis chapter Chapter 24, we stopped at verse 61, and uh, we're talking about a young lady here named Rebecca, which is a blessing. Uh, and Rebecca arose and her damsel, and they uh, rode upon camels and followed the men. And the servants took Rebecca and went his and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. And Isaac came from the way uh, of the well uh, Leharoi, uh, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up, uh, I bet you Isaac was excited. And uh, Rebekah, you know, Isaac at this point didn't know that uh, Rebekah was with that train. He just trusted God that uh, Eliezer wouldn't come back uh, without fulfilling his purpose. He probably knew Eliezer long enough that he knew that Eliezer, if he, when he left, uh, he was going to do what he said he was going to do, and he wasn't going to come back and be a failure uh, to his master. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, verse 64, and uh, lifted up her eyes uh, when she saw Isaac, and she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had, uh, and, and the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore uh, she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent, Sarah's tent, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for this story. What a great story it is. But Lord, every story in the Bible is a great story. Uh, Lord, this is just one of those that are, uh, is all about you and, and what you're going to do to your bride one day when you come and get her. Uh, Father, again, thank you for your blessings, and we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Isaac starts right here, and, and uh, he's, he's hesitating, he's waiting. 
Uh, in verse 61, it says, And Rebecca arose and her damsel. She already made the decision, I am going to go. I'm just going to. I've heard people before say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not. You know, most of the time we'll make a decision about not serving Jesus Christ quicker than we'll make a decision about serving him. Uh, you're, you should already be, believe me, if the Lord's going to call you to do something, he's going to call you uh, when you're ready to go. He's not going to call you. If you're even thinking about, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I should, then you shouldn't. Uh, that, you're, you're just, that's a recipe for failure is what that is. Uh, what you want to do is you want to wait till the Lord tells you beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that's what you need to do. That way you won't care what anybody says. You'll do it. What happens to most people is they'll, they'll rush out to do something because they'll get this. Uh, I, I tell the story all the time. I started school with 45 guys, 44 guys. And uh, when we finished, 11 finished. All 44 would have told you that it was the will of God that they were there. Somewhere in the churches they came from, if they came from churches, somebody told them, you need to go to Bible college. I think you should have Bible college. I think really if, you, if you're, God isn't calling you to the ministry, if he's not calling you to, to go to, on the mission field, if you know that, then if you're going to go to the mission field, maybe you should go to a college somewhere like PBI and get away from everybody so you can get along with the Lord and, and get some things straight in your head. Uh, but just for your life, the way everything's going today, you need to take Bible college. Dr. Peacock School is a great school. There's a couple schools online, but that's probably the best one I've ever seen in my life. Uh, what it does is it, it gives you the ammunition. It, it, it gives you what you need to survive. You say, well, I'm kind of in the middle here. I don't know. Uh, you know why? Because you don't have enough Bible in you to make a decision. Rebecca was already at a place. She was at a place, man, where she was like, I want to do something for God. I don't think she was out there feeding camels water and all that other stuff because she just didn't have any desire to do anything for God. I think she was looking for anything she could do that she could do to please God. And feeding, taking care of camels and, and taking care of people, when she seen that servant walk up, his, all the other men that was with him and all those camels, she seen an opportunity right there to serve God. Somebody who wants to serve God, guess what? God will provide the opportunity for you to do it. If you don't want to do it, he's not even going to waste his time on you. He may, some of them might pass through your, uh, your way, but he's going to show you some stuff and he's going to say, do you want to do that? And, and you'll say, yes. Well, it could be a teeny weeny thing. And tomorrow it might be a bigger thing. And somewhere down the road, it'll be a great big thing. This is a great big thing in her life. I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing what she's doing right here. She's leaving her family, everything she knows, going somewhere with somebody she doesn't have a clue who that is. She knows they're distant relatives, uh, not even distant. They're far away, but she's never met Abraham. She doesn't know who he is. At least I don't think she does. Uh, she's just taking the word of a servant and her, her mom and dad and, and uncles and stuff. And, and, but she's making a decision based on what she has a feeling inside of what she needs to do. And she does it. He says, and Rebecca rose and her damsels. So some people went with her and they rode upon a camel, upon the camels and followed the man and the, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Uh, Rebecca had to go the way of the servant. Uh, you cannot do anything without... Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the Eliezer is a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's the, if you're going to read this story and read it in text, the Lord doesn't... He could have easily wrote a book and said, I'm God and this is my story and blah, 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 and I'm this. He doesn't do that. What he does is he, he writes a story, and in that story, he weaves himself in and out of the story. Uh, Abraham is the picture of the Father. Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ. Eliezer is a picture of, of uh, the Holy Spirit. Rebecca is a picture of the of the church, which we are, and the church should always be ready to go. I don't know about you, but if you're not ready to go, you're in the wrong, you're doing the wrong thing. 
The church, you should be ready to go at any time. You never know when your, uh, your master, your Lord, your, your bride, your, your bridegroom is going to come to the south country and he's going to be standing there waiting for you to come up. And you know what? You need to be lifting your eyes up. She said she lifted her eyes up. Rebecca has completely submitted herself to Abraham's servant, type of the Holy Spirit. I've said that. The servant has taken the responsibility to ensure that Rebecca survive, arrives at the master's house. Go to John 14. There's a couple things about this story that, that you got to get down. You have to, we have to have it down. Uh, that way, this stuff in this world just doesn't bother you. I, I could really care less about what the UN does. The UN really has no effect on my life at all. Uh, they, they may take some things away, material things, but they, don't, they can't touch me. Uh, 14, 16. John 14, 16. Jesus Christ is talking right here, and he's talking to his disciples, and he goes, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Uh, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So the world cannot receive this comforter that Jesus is sending. The only persons that can re receive this uh, comforter, as I'll show you that in a minute, uh, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. They don't see it. When you're sitting there talking to somebody in the world, they don't see, what, if you're saved, which I think almost everybody in this room is, if you're saved, the world has no clue what you're talking about. And, and what's wrong with us is we think they do. So we want to become part of them, and they want to be part of us. He says, come out from among them, be ye separate, say the Lord, touch not. You... They, I can fellowship with the world. I can, I can touch the world. I can, he said, use the world, but don't abuse it. I got it. You can, you can mingle in and out of the world, but you're not part of that thing. And they are not part of you. They don't understand a thing you're saying. To them, you're just speaking gibberish, and that's all it is. Uh, they, they, they know about God. They'll say, oh, yeah, I understand God. I, I've heard this one. Uh, oh, yeah, I know who God is, and I know who Jesus Christ is, and, and I know this and I know that. But when it comes right down to knowing him, they don't know him. It goes on to verse, uh, and uh, the end of that verse, it says, Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. They're not saved yet. It's not in them. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Go over to uh, verse 26. Then he tells you exactly who it is, John 14, 26, uh, verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, this is why Jesus had to leave. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's why he says, Paul says over here, don't grieve him and don't quench him. Because that's, the Holy Spirit is sitting right here, he's in me. When I got saved, the day I got saved, I trusted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Uh, my soul and my spirit was inside my body. He came in, he cut my soul away from my body. Now I've got my soul and spirit sitting over here and my body's sitting over here. That's why when he says old man and new man, this is the new man, this is the old man. Then he seals my new man until the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit can talk to me, and I can control my flesh the best I can, which I don't do too good. But I, I struggle with that thing. Everybody, I think, struggles. But you're sitting there, and you got the Holy Spirit constantly guiding us, guiding us. And when he says, don't grieve him and don't quit him, you can break that, you can sever that communications, and all of a sudden, you're on your own again. I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on my own. I, that's one thing I just definitely don't want to be. Uh, go to uh, 15, 1526. He says this, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, 
uh, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. You know what Eliezer, go back to Genesis, you know what Eliezer's been doing? Talking about his servant, his master. That's all he's been doing. I want to tell you about my master. Tell you about Abraham. Tell you about Isaac. Let me tell you about Isaac. Isaac, uh, Abraham's given everything to Isaac. Isaac's going to have it all. Uh, Rebecca, you want Isaac. You want Isaac. You know what our job is? Is to go out and tell this world about our Isaac, which is Jesus. If we don't do that, you know what? We don't love him that way we should. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a weird thing that when you sit there and say, well, uh, my whole life, my life was changed. I just didn't one day trust Jesus Christ, and that was the end. I had somebody recently said, oh, well, you know, once you get saved, that's all you needed, and you get grace in it. No, 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 no. You missed that thing. Uh, if, if a person thinks the moment they get married, and all they have to do is, is go out and work all day long, and then come home and do whatever I want to do, and leave your wife at home, or wife, woman, if you think that you can get married and your husband comes home and you're out doing whatever you want to do and you really don't care, that marriage ain't going to last very long. It won't happen. That's why I tell people all the time, I said, wait, wait on the Lord. Wait till you're absolutely, positively sure uh, that you know that this is the one you're supposed to marry. And then, then that's the one you want to be with time and time again for the rest of your life. The best, He says, until death do you part. I mean, you want to you make sure that. So when I got saved, I didn't get saved just to get saved. I made a choice decision on that back porch in 1980 to change what I believed and trust somebody. Now, I didn't understand all the stuff, all the ramifications, everything that was going to take place down the line. I just knew right there, I said, I, I am joining a different army. I'm getting on his army right now. I'm getting on his side, and he can teach me down through there. So Rebecca, Rebecca done that, but the, the servant, the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to get me through this thing and to teach me what I need to know. And the only way you can get that is to go through here and submit yourself unto him. I didn't say worship the Holy Spirit. I said listen to the Holy Spirit and let him guide you through this book. You know who guides you? He just sat there over in John. Uh, I was there. I'll go back there real quick. Y'all don't have to go there, but let me read that one verse. You can't, you can't get any part of this book. Well, you can get some of it. But the Comforter, 26, 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So the, the, it's the Comforter, the Holy Spirit that's teaching you, not me. Not, if I'm saying something and it makes sense, and all of a sudden you go, yeah, man. I, I've sit in churches, and a, a preacher goes, blam, 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 blam. And all of a sudden he, he hits about 37 things in my head, goes off. And I'm like, whoa. And he says one thing, and a whole chain of stuff goes off in my head. And the Lord says, now, see that one little, you just missed that piece of the puzzle. And you put that piece in, everything else falls right into place. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit. And what most of us do is we miss the guiding and the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we think we can do it. Brother, I'm telling you, I've done this thing for 65 years. You are not going to do it. Hang it up. You're not. You can be a Bill Gates. Anybody can be. Oh, it's chump change. Uh, I, you had time and chance happened to every man, so you have to be in the right place. I read Bill Gates' story. I know how he got his money, and it was a fluke. Almost every one of the, I, I want to find how Elon Musk got his, uh, but almost every one of those guys were in the right place at the right time and made a decision based on where they were at at that particular moment, and that changed their destiny. If they had not been there, there could have been another man instead of Bill Gates that would have been that billionaire that Bill Gates is right now. But he chose foolishly, stupidly, and he's the smart guy. Bill Gates isn't the smart guy. Bill Gates is just the guy that was there when it happened. And he, he you know, swept up. He, he, uh, he, 
he, he uh, maximized on his investment is what he did. He, man, he made good. And, and I can't blame him for doing it. That's, that's capitalism at its finest. Uh, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have your, oh, man, you can blame Bill Gates for his little stupid cell phone that you got in your hand. But anyways, the comforter teaches you back to Genesis. The comforter is what teaches you. And most people never realize it. So, you know, when he says, uh, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, touch not. And what he's doing is he's telling you that you got to have a, a clean life. So you know what I know Rebecca was, was clean. I can read what, what's going on here. I know how the Lord's dealing with her. And that, that girl's clean because later down the road, Jacob comes back. Rebecca has two sons, Esau and Jacob. And she sends Jacob back to Laban. And him and Laban is like at each other's throat the whole time. And they're always not conniving and dealing with each other, trying to get the better deal between the two. And it ends up Jacob uh, actually gets a better deal from Laban. But uh, Laban and him are not, they're not seeking God's perfect will all the time. I think Rebecca, just because everybody around you is doing wrong, don't mean you have to. And doesn't mean that God can't bless you in the midst of, of just chaos. Uh, I've watched the thing happen, man. I mean, it's just, you would think that the whole world's falling apart and God's blessing the whole thing. Rebecca's journey starts and doesn't end until she reaches her new home. She jumps on her camel and she's riding. Dun, 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 you, know, uh, you ever seen a, uh, some, what's that, Ahab, the Arab? Yeah, him and his camel. I, there was a, some, many, many years ago, there was, I forget exactly what show that was on. Does anybody know, some old person in here know Ahab, the Ahab, Ahab, Arab? Who was that? Yeah, but it was on a show. Uh, it must have been Johnny Carson or something. Then. If it was a comedian, it wasn't a show then. But anyways, years and years ago, man, he comes on with his camel, and, and he's riding his camel and all this other stuff. And, and when you sit there and look at all that, I mean, that's what this girl did. She gets on that thing, and she starts. Well, when I got saved in 1980, I started this journey. I'm going down the road on my camel. And I'm headed to the promised land. I'm headed to my master. I'm, one of these days, the rapture is going to happen. Uh, we keep saying it's going to happen. They said it was going to happen in 1989, 99, 2009, 2019. That's 24 years, almost 23 years ago. No, 33 years ago. Still hadn't happened yet. Uh, we keep saying, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer every minute. Uh, and if it don't happen that way, I'm going to go through the grave and I'm going to get there, man. It's all over. Man, I didn't know you was that old, Brother Barry. <laughs> oh, racing. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was. There you go. But anyways, I mean... You sit there and look at that thing. She jumps on this camel. She takes off, and her journey starts. Now, this is all a picture of your life. If you want Pilgrim's Progress in a nutshell, there it is right there. She leaves the city of destruction, jumps on a camel, and heads to the promised land. And she gets there in her lifetime. And guess what? The Lord, her Lord, Isaac, never comes back to get her. He waits for her at the edge, picks her up, takes her, then takes her back. That's a picture of the rapture. If you can't, man, I tell you what, this thing's unbelievable. Our lives start the day we were saved, and, and, uh, and we started our journey as the bride of Christ. That's, that's what I did. Uh, I didn't know that until several years later, years later what was going on. And so many times we try to mingle this world back into our lives. And, brother, you can't do that. It, it won't work. It never does work. It, uh, I've seen people do that over 43 years to try it. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. Uh, I had to give up some things to, to be where I'm at today. And, and uh, I, I sometimes say, man, Lord, some of these other guys out here, they're so much further than I am. But then I was reading last night to, uh, where was I at last night? when I, I was in Corinthians 14. 
you know, I think it's, you got to, some of this stuff, yeah, watch it. Oh, this, Lord will show you every now and then a passage in the Bible, and, and it'll just calm you down. So you, you start looking at everybody out there. Paul over here in chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 4, he's starting talking about gifts, spiritual gifts. And every church out there got this thing all screwed up, messed up. He says, uh, verse 4, he goes, now there are a diversity of gifts, but, the same, but of the same spirit. So the spirit is out there, and there's diversity, different ones, different ones, and there are different, uh, different, uh, and there they are differences of administration, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of, of operation, but it is all, but it is the same God which worketh all in all, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So every one of us gets a piece of this, the piece of the action, for what God wants us to have. That's it. Uh, for, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to the other the, the word of knowledge, to the, uh, uh, by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gift of healings by the same spirit, to the other the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues. Now, they'll go right to tongues, and that's the last in the list, man. I mean, if I'm going to go to the last of the list to get a spiritual gift, I don't think I want that one. Uh, and, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, uh, dividing to every man severally as he wills. You know, God knows exactly what he wants you to have, and he'll give you exactly what you want, he wants you to have. You, we, you know, I, I know young men, they'll get into ministry, and they'll say, oh, I want to be a preacher. I want to be, a, I want to be a J. Frank Norris. I want to be a Billy Sunday. I want to be this. I want to be a Dr. Ruckman. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm going to be the next Dr. Ruckman. Well, he didn't last too long. And he was an older guy. He's a PBI grad, too. Uh, it's just amazing. People get out there and they think, well, I'm going to be this. Well, no, you're going to be exactly what God wants you to be, and you don't have to worry about it. And I don't care if 100 people pass me and become 10 times what I am, or 100 times. Don't care. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do and be happy about what I'm doing uh, the best I can. Sometimes I'll get to the place where I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not doing... Rebecca, I don't think she's there. I think she's right where she needs to be. She's walking down this walk with the Lord. Paul says he's running a race. Each one of us have a race to run. Your race isn't somebody else's. It's yours. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you what you need because he talks about the body there, the fingers and the toes and everything else. What, I mean, if you take that finger and, and just throw it over on the ground, that finger ain't going to do a whole lot of stuff unless it's attached to a hand. And the hand, you can throw it over there, ain't going to do a whole lot of stuff unless it's attached to an arm. And you can take the arm off and throw it over there, and it ain't going to do a whole lot of stuff unless it's attached to a body. And the body ain't going to do a whole lot of stuff. So even if you got your brain up on top, the brain ain't going to do a whole, you throw the brain over, it ain't going to do a whole lot without the body that it fits in. And that's what he's trying to say. He goes, the Holy Spirit decides who gets what and what so that the body is edified. We're not all the same. You know what most people do? Well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need... I'm trying to learn to shut up. That's hard. You might believe that. That's really hard. But I am really trying to shut up. And let God, God direct your steps the way he wants to God direct your steps. I cannot do it. You know why? Because I don't live with you 24-7. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I don't know if I want to live with anybody else. Me and Beth is, I can't believe she lives with me 24-7. She should be kicking me out more and more. But our lives started the day we got saved, and it's a journey. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, this is the greatest journey you ever see. Uh, hers was over in, in an X amount of time. I don't know how long it was for, for uh, them to get on a bunch of camels and go from where Laban was to Abraham was and to meet Isaac. I have no idea how. I, I could fake figure it out, but, I mean, it's still some amount of time. But I've been on this journey for 43 years, and it's just been an excellent. I've seen all kinds of stuff on this journey. 
I mean, he let me go through the Navy, and I went through that thing, and I got to go overseas and see all kinds of stuff and see the world. He burnt me out. People said, well, you don't do nothing. I was burnt out on doing stuff a long time ago. I mean, when you can get off a ship in Barcelona, Spain one day and get off a ship in Toulon, France the next day, get off the ship in, in Naples, Italy the next day, spend three or four days and get off the ship in Haifa, Israel, and jump on a bus and go all over Israel for the next week or two, get back to Naples, Italy, and go to Rome a couple times and shoot up through the Alps, and you go back to Barcelona, Spain, then you go over. But after a while, I mean, you're done. You know, how much more could you possibly see? Uh, I tell Beth, I, I took her, brought her over to France, and we went up, uh, jumped on a train. It's amazing. She won't do that with me anymore if we, I couldn't make her do it. She's a homebody. She told me she likes her home. She wants to live in that home. She wants to stay at home. She doesn't want to go out and do much of anything. I said, hey, uh, I just went out and picked up a truck and had to go to Salt Lake City. Right on the Great Salt Lake. I said, hey, you can fly out there with me, ride back. No. I said, but you can see, it's just a body of water, just water. That's all it is. I don't need to see that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, she goes, my life is right here. I'm like, Beth, but I said, you know, we could drive all, I wouldn't have to stop and get a hotel, just stop and get a hotel, because I ain't going with you. <laughs> now, when I called her, then, you know, young love is cool, young love is cool, because we got married, and three months, I, I, she leaves, I mean, she's like Rebecca, I'm telling you what, my wife is, uh, in the beginning, she was like Rebecca, I think at the end, she's probably like Rebecca, too, but Rebecca probably, if, if Rebecca is anything like my wife, I mean, she, if Rebecca became home, yeah, because Rebecca didn't go with Jacob back to Laban to get him a wife, man, she sent him off on his own. But uh, she come down there, and three months later, I'm on a ship, and I'm gone for six months. And I told her, I said, hey, get, get some airplane tickets. And, and uh, I said, the ladies, I said, they got a thing set up so that a bunch of ladies are going to fly over halfway through the cruise, and we'll meet somewhere over in the Mediterranean, and, and I'll take a couple weeks leave. And, and if your wife fly, flew over, they, they granted you leave. Usually they don't give you leave when you're overseas uh, because anything can happen, and it did. Uh, so they, they give me the two weeks leave. She comes over. I mean, she's just like... Fly, jumps on a plane and goes everywhere. Uh, now, if I tell her that, she says, see you later, bye, man. Go do your thing. I don't care. I'm going to stay here with my grandkids. I'm like, what a thing, man. 2 Corinthians 5.14. You, you know what will get you through this life? She didn't have this, but you got the stories all through your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And, and that he died for all, they that were, uh, which lived should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know what Rebecca was doing right here? As a picture of the church, she was letting go of everything behind her, and she was living for him. It's him. They didn't have, man. I, don't, I left my phone at home, which is probably a blessing. Uh, I left my wallet at home, too, man. I don't have nothing. I don't, nobody, they come in here today and ask who I am. I couldn't prove nothing. They didn't have selfies. They didn't have phones that they could show you, oh, this is what Isaac looks like. I mean, and him having a big zit on the end of his nose that day or something, man. She, no, I don't want, no, no, they didn't have none of that stuff. You know what she did? Eliezer said, hey, my master is pretty wealthy. He's got lots of money, so, so he's looking for a wife, and he wants one out of this, out of your family. And Rebecca's like, choose me, pick me, pick me, pick me. She didn't have to care about nothing. Uh, we got a world out here today, and, and it's almost impossible to, to, to divide all this stuff and separate it away from all this. But, but we got every one of these places out here telling us how we should dress and how we should act and what we should look like. And if we look like these things, then somebody else will like us. I could care less whether anybody likes me or not. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you got to get to the place where I want him to like me. 
I want the Lord to love me, and I want to be able to love him with the right heart that I can do what he wants. Uh, I may only get an opportunity once in life to do something real small. And if that's, what he, if that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do is this one little thing. He might be pre- preparing me my whole life for one little teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy thing. Uh, we, we're doing a, uh, we're going to go up this Friday, hopefully, Lord willing, and almost finish that, that cabinet, cabinet up there so we can get another 24 kids in. If that works out, we'll be done with it. Uh, that's just a small thing. An opportunity came up. You could say, why, why are we doing that? That's stupid. Well, may not be in those 24 kids' lives. He said, what happens if the 24 kids don't come? Well, the building's done. I said, if you don't do what you can do right when it's in front of you, well, does it really matter? No, it, probably to a lot of people out there, it doesn't matter. Well, there was a day it didn't matter to us, and now our whole church and a whole bunch of other churches are involved in something, and, and who knows how much further that thing's going to go before the Lord comes back, all because we do a, a little stupid thing. I'm telling you what, it, uh, we got a bus out in... Uh, uh, what you call out in Arkansas somewhere, and we used that bus for a couple, three, four, five years to get kids to back and forth to camp. And you say, well, why would you get a bus to get kids back and forth to camp? Is it all about kids? No, it's not. But that's one facet of what we do that a lot of other churches don't do. You know what they do? They send their kids to camp, and they get their kids back, and that's that's all they do. We're the ones who do everything that, and the Lord gave us that. You know what? He didn't give that to the other churches. He put that in front of us. Said, y'all going to do it? We did it. It really boils down, I wrote this little note for myself, it really boils down, are we following his way or ours? That's really all it boils down to. Rebecca's given you a, cho- given you a picture of how we should be as a church. Eliezer said, and then everybody else said, will you go? And they got it right down to where it was Rebecca standing in a crowd of people, and he said, will you go? And she goes, yep, I'm gone, I'm out of here. What do you mean go? My bag's already packed. They're right there. I'm, I'm out of here. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving just about everything here. You can give it to everybody else because I won't need it. I've got everything with him. But I don't know what more you think you could have. Ugh. I'm telling you, he could give you stuff that you, you just, there's a peace. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. And it can't take it away. I don't care how hard they try. Anyways, what follows is a picture of the rapture of the church. Eliezer is, the Holy Spirit is taking her up and up she goes and she's going to the land and, and Isaac comes down to a certain point. He stops that camel. Isn't it amazing that he was right there at the right time for the camel train to be there? I mean, he could have waited a couple more hours and they'd already been in the land. No, 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 no. He's at the edge of that thing and the camel train's coming. You know what Rebecca does? She gets off her camel. Uh, so the, uh, what follows is a picture of the rapture of the church, the homecoming of the bride of Christ. Isaac's in the field, verse 63, he's waiting. Uh, Jesus tells us that the field is the world. That's where Isaac is at. He comes, he comes to the clouds. He's in the world. He's, he's uh, come down through the, the third heaven, come down through the second heaven, which is the universe. He enters the first heaven, which is our atmosphere. He stops at the clouds. That's what, that's what 1 Thessalonians says. And up goes Rebecca, and he takes her back through the clouds, into the second uh, heaven, into the third heaven, and away they go. That's the picture. That's what's going to happen to us. Uh, toward the end of the dispensation of the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes down into the atmosphere of this planet and, and calls for his bride. Until this time, Rebecca has never seen the bridegroom. John 20. Go to John 20. Brother, if you think this book, if you think this book is just about some old stories that a lot of people wrote a long time ago, you got another thing coming. 
I don't know, I don't know a millionth of what's in this book. This is the craziest book I've ever seen in my life. And you say, well, why do you believe it? I don't have nothing else to believe. I saw my mom. I went down to see my mom. I love her to death. I was sitting there across the table, and uh, we're sitting there talking. Beth told me, she says, Mike, I think you're finally getting to her. <laughs> I don't know how I'm getting to her, but she said I was. I said, Mom, I said, you know what your problem is? She goes, no, tell me what my problem is, 90-year-old one. I said, you are prejudiced. I mean, my mom is prejudiced. Woo-hoo-hoo, is she prejudiced? She's prejudiced about everything. Uh, I mean, she, she's, she's the true prejudiced, racist person you ever met in your life. Uh, she's from down home, Kentucky, back in the sticks. Uh, she's stubborn as a mule. I mean, just as stubborn as she could possibly be. And I said, you know what your problem is? I said, you're prejudiced. She goes, what do you mean by that? I said, you know what you think you believe. And I said, you get everything out there that anybody says that will back up what you believe. Whether it's right or wrong, you don't care. What you care about is, do they agree with me? So she buys this book on Mary Magdalene. She's positive Mary Magdalene is Mary of Bethany. And she said, these preachers, they're all Baptist preachers, by the way. These preachers all said that this Mary Magdalene is Mary Bethany, and she's the lady in the alabaster box, and she's the one that wiped Jesus' hair with her face. So she gets the book. She reads it and throws it away. She goes, they don't know what it is either. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, I told you. I read I, So I pull my Bible out and read her the story. And never in that story it tells you who that lady is that washed his hair, washed his feet with her hair. I said, number one, I said, there were all Pharisees around. Number two, they were in, uh, Mary uh, Bethany was in uh, their house over here, and the disciples were all there. I said, number three, uh, she's behind him over here. Over here, she's in front of him over here. I said, two totally different ladies. Over here, the Pharisees are saying, if you knew who that was, you wouldn't let her touch you. Over here, they never said that because they knew Mary, Mary Bethany wasn't that. I said, these are two different ladies. Just because, and she goes, well, that's Mary Magdalene then. I said, no, it doesn't say it's Mary Magdalene. It could be, it could be, but it doesn't say that. I said, what you're looking for is anything to prove that Mary Magdalene and Jesus had a relationship. I said, that's what you, because I said, you're a pervert. She looks at me like, <laughs> I said, yeah, you're perverted. Your thinking is screwed up. I said, I, I said, you and I are totally opposite. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I threw everything out. And then I pick up a Bible and say, well, if this is the answer book, I'm going to bring back in what, what I believe, what this thing says, not what I think. And I'm going to change my thinking to match that book. So I started doing that. I said, okay, Lord, you say this, and I need to do this, and I'm going to do that. Okay, the Catholic Church says I should eat you every Sunday. I ain't going to do that because that's not what that says. That says as often as you do this, do this and remember to me. So I'm eating something, and I'm doing it until he, he returns. Baptism you, is the same thing. It's a picture of the death burial. It's a picture. It's a type. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a likeness. It's not, you don't go, ami dami, do fi fi fo fum, and I just made that Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if I could do that, then there means there's about uh, however many Catholic churches on the planet and in every time zone. Everybody's making Jesus everywhere. And if there was this much Jesus all over the place, why? I think it's funny as anything. These people out here right now, Roe versus Wade, uh, just political, it's just little things that matter to me either way. Uh, you can't stop people from doing what they want to do. But uh, 
they, 70 years ago, or, or in the 70s, they got a law passed that was unconstitutional to start with, but they got a bunch of wicked people in there, and they got the thing passed. Now they got a bunch of Catholics on the, on the you know, the, the, the protesters know exactly who's on the Supreme Court. They're all Catholic. Almost every single one of them is a Catholic. Six of them are Catholic. The majority are. So who are they protesting against? The Catholic Church. Man, they're out there standing with these little signs. It's my body, it's my body, it's my body, it's my body, it's my body. No, it's not. It was your body, but you, want to, you, you don't want to stop this stuff. And the Bible tells you, don't do this stuff. And it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, you go out there and you get pregnant, then you're going you're gonna to have to pay the price. Somebody's got to pay the price one day. And they don't want to do that. They want to do everything. That's what that article I'm reading back there. Everybody wants everything. They want a utopia. A utopia is offered to us through Jesus Christ. We don't want that one. We want our utopia, which we can do whatever we want, the wickedness and everything else. And it still has never changed. Uh, until this time, Rebecca has never seen the bridegroom. Oh, John, John 20. See how fast the rabbit trail will take you away? John 20, 26. And after eight days again, his disciples... Uh, actually, go back to 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, uh, called Didymus, was, uh, was not with them. Uh, when Jesus came. The other disciple, therefore, uh, said unto him, we have seen the Lord. So John, Thomas, and the rest of the story, we can go on and read the rest of it, but the rest of it is about Thomas. Uh, he did not get to see Jesus because he wasn't there, and then he gets there and he sees him. So uh, until this time, Rebecca never seen the bridegroom. Neither did Thomas. Thomas didn't see either. Uh, it's an amazing thing when you get to this book, what happens. 62, verse 62, Genesis. Let's get back there. I'm running out of time. I've got four minutes. I was really going to try to get to the end of the chapter, but. See, you'd think you were in the New Testament. As I'm reading this thing, I keep looking at these things. The Lord, I said, you're, you're from Genesis to Revelation. He chose the right 66 books to put in this thing. He chose the right authors to the Holy Spirit to talk through. Uh, he, he used the authors to do exactly what he wanted written, written. I think he used the King James scholars to take Tyndale's work and everybody else's work up from the 12th century. Actually, all the way back, he took all their work. And they, these men, they weren't great godly men like everybody. Everybody wants to make you sound like they're great godly men. They're, they're theists. They're, they're not. All of them weren't that. Uh, and they took it, and the, but they knew how to do the work that needed to be done. Uh, brothers, some of us, we just, we can't do, I get, I get envious sometimes, which is wrong. Uh, about some of these guys who just write books. Bill Grady makes me sick. Now, if you know Bill Grady, he writes books this thick. Andrew makes me sick because he reads those books. Him and Bill Grady would probably get along great. But I'm like, I don't even, I can't hardly read the cover of the book. I just hate reading. Uh, but I can, I can fix anything that's broke. People come and say, how can you do all that? I don't know, man. It's just, it's easy. It's easy stuff. It's just, this goes there and that gear goes there and it meshes and does this and does this. I can see exactly how the thing works. Uh, somebody else looks at me, Dr. Roman always would raise a hood, and he goes, I couldn't fix nothing if I had to. Now, that guy could read two books a day and retain it. He go, he'd raise the hood up. He goes, my truck don't work. My Jeep don't work. He had international, uh, whatever they were, Land Rovers or whatever, the old ones. He'd raise the hood up and said, the problem's in there somewhere. Well, it may not be in there. It might be in the taillight at the back. He doesn't know, man. He just knows, knows it's in that stupid car somewhere. Uh, but you sit there and look at that thing. The Lord Jesus Christ knows everything. And Isaac came from the way of the well, verse 63. Genesis 24, 63. Uh, Leheroah, 
uh, for he dwelt in the south country, and he stops. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening time, and, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, Isaac came from his home down, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, that's the picture of Rebekah, caught up together with them uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I heard that. Was that you? And you're nice and quiet. Why were you not? That you, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm your father. That no. <laughs> Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, this should be a comfort to us. I got, I got 60 seconds, or less than 60 seconds. But this should be a comfort to us. I know one day he's coming back. Uh, I heard a preacher preaching recently, and he, and he basically said, uh, and there he goes, another preacher he was talking to, and, and he was saying, I, you know, if I go out, I just want to be able to go out with a bang. And he goes, and some of these people, they just, they just quit and they go away. And he said, the old preacher t- was talking to him and yanked him over and said, look, it doesn't matter whether you burn out or you just go quit. He said, you're still out. And he goes, wow, man. He said, that means I can't quit at all. I said, I got to figure a way to stay in this thing till the Lord comes and gets me. You know what he done told you right here? I'm going to come back and get you. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else says. What, what matters is what did he just say? He said, I'm going to come back and get you. Well, Lord, today don't seem like a great day for me, and the whole world's falling apart, and I'm, what did I tell you? I said, well, you said you were going to come back and get me. He goes, now, do you want me to come back and get you crying in a corner somewhere, or do you want me to come back and get you doing something? I said, well, I want you to come back and get me doing something. He said, well, then get up and do something. You know what you got to do? You got to get to this book and say, okay, Lord, I, I got into this thing. You made me an offer in 1980. You did not make me take that offer. You did not force me to take that offer. You made that offer. It was a transaction. I seen the transaction. You made the transaction. I thought it was a good deal. I even told you you were getting the worst end of this deal. And you seemed to think it was a good deal. And I like good deals. And I took you up on that offer. He did not make me do this. He said, I'm going to come and get you. And he gave me a little book called Pilgrim's Progress. And I read that thing early probably within six months after getting saved. And in my heart and in my mind, he impressed on me. He said, you're not done till the celestial city. He said, so until you get to that place, no matter what happens to you, no matter how bad it gets, you're not done until you get to that celestial city or you see me. And he goes, you will know me when you see me. I haven't seen him yet. (laughs) So I'm, I'm still on my camel heading out of Dodge. And one of these days, I'm going to get to the end of this thing, and I'm going to see him. Father, thank you for your blessings.